We're going to go together as a body before the Lord in prayer. Banner Christian Fellowship has a mission statement. Has a We're talking about community today. We're going to be our, looking our at vision community. statement is that as a community and we will I've, focus I've on the gospel this morning of Jesus Christ that, and we will grow that our time of prayer, of course, faith, to, to pray as, as a community, the Holy Spirit leads you. But I, I feel we will focus on the gospel to, to encourage Jesus us and grow in our to faith. Our mission is to bring together glory praying for our to God, and we do that in lots of different what ways. What does that mean, our community? Well, and as we peel back our church body. the onion a little bit more, that's, we get down to values. Values are kind of our DNA. It's, it's Avery it's, County. It's who we are. It's who we've country. always been. When this church so started, sister churches as a who were meeting just as we meeting together in a living room when it was the underground to church, and you had to scrape God the mold to, off to the walls. <clears throat> look at His Word. True story. It's folks that are not able to. To the fellowship to that we're in now, family to the building we're in now this morning to worship for different reasons. Hospitality. So as we community. as we enter into this time, I, I do want to make you aware of two folks prayer. within our community, our community here, the heart of who we are, uh, who are, uh, and they're not just sort of plugged are hurting out this of, morning out of nothing. Um, is good rejoicing and hurting. The heart of uh, who we are Joe, because they're the heart of God. Uh, Palmera who faithfully plays week on our worship we team his father passed away last night to looking at our values Joe dna called me on friday and we looked at uh, hospitality drove the night to be down there had a, a we said that hospitality is two things um, it is it is a practical expression of loving one of another happened, i think more quickly than anticipated hospitality and, is a practical um, way so joe was able to spend uh, of serving and loving and, and great one another his words and hospitality um, is an expression of Ken our love for jesus mother um, passed away and that hospitality again is not something that we created or we thought of you see we have been um, offered so grace we certainly want to be praying upon for grace upon grace we certainly have many our in our body who are, who are recovering from from surgeries um, an invitation since seen to come. tends to be a, a rash of knee surgeries today we're going to look Ron at community and ken and steve all recovering the christian community better. is is made up we, of we many things and there's Daniel, there's Karen, several different Mark, elements we there's uh, unity which others, we've read and talked about there's if we there's service maybe focus which this we can talk and praying for our community. and definitely about um, today we want to focus Stanton, on mind focus opening, opening us up community um, that focuses we'll continue to pray on jesus so let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So you've trained for years, day after day, season after season, long runs, interval training. You've prepared. And now the opening ceremonies are over. Your Olympic race has arrived. Over the course of anywhere from a few seconds to a bit over two hours, you must put into play all that you've learned. You must put into effect all of the strength work, all of the, the cardiovascular work. One brief loss of focus, one moment of indecision could, could set aside years of training. What do you need to remember as, as you race in order to run to win? How will you run the race? A number of us have run in events where place is completely irrelevant. I've walked in a few events that I was supposed to run in where place was completely irrelevant. 
not so much running against others in that kind of race as with them. The goal was not to, to beat others, but to, to complete the distance, to achieve a particular time, perhaps, the goal that you've set for yourself. But not so in the world of Olympic track and field and in the world of Olympic running. In these races, time is, is almost irrelevant to some degree. The goal for most is to win the race. That's why they're there. If one can win in a slow time, well, all right. But in order to win, one has to beat your opponents, either mentally or physically. So, so particularly in events 400 meters or longer, every coach talks these talking points to athletes. They, they, they talk to them. The goal is to make the race develop in such a way that the other runners can't catch you. Or to make the race develop in such a way that those who can catch you think that they can't catch you. The psychological warfare of running. A classic example of this took place over 50 years ago. Well over 50 years ago. 1954, the Commonwealth Games, the Miracle Mile. Some of you are old enough to remember this in history. The Englishman Roger Bannister had run history's first sub-four-minute mile on May the 6th. And the Australian John Landy broke that world record six weeks later. No one else had broken the barrier. About seven weeks after Landy's record race, the two runners met for the first and the only time. Bannister was known for his kick there at the end, a fast end to the, to the mile. So Landy calculated that his best chance to win was to break contact early, go out hard. Go out so hard that, that Bannister would think he was unable to come back. And that's what Landy did. He pushed hard from the very beginning. About halfway through the mile, he, he had 10 yards on Bannister. But Bannister still believed in himself. He, he still believed he could come back. Later, he would write, describing the race. He wrote this, I quickened my stride, trying at the same time to stay relaxed. I won back the first yard, then each succeeding yard until his lead was halved by the time we reached the back straight on the third lap, the third of four. I had now connected myself to Landy again, though he was still five yards ahead. I, I tried to imagine myself attached to him by some invisible cord. With each stride, I, I drew the cord tighter and reduced his lead. I fixed myself to Landy like a shadow. Bannister remained focused. Then with 80 yards to go, he, he pulled up outside of Landy. And at this point, Landy made an uncharacteristic mistake. With all the crowd noise, he, he hadn't sensed, he hadn't heard that Bannister on his outside. And he turned his head inward to the left just when Bannister he lost a stride, and now he was the one who thought he could not catch the other, and he didn't. Bannister won. Both men that day ran under four minutes, but Bannister won. Today, I want us to look at this concept of, of Christian community because it is what we value here as a church, as a family. And we've, we've often talked about the need for unity. And that unity coming from and falling down from the Holy Spirit covers all. 
But today we look closely at Christian community and its characteristic of focus. And to do this, we're, we're going to look at biblical analogies, not of football. I mean, why stop at a hill when you can come to a mountain? Let it sink in. Just let it sink in. No, we're not going to look at football. I promise. No more football talk. But we are going to look at running. Something that I really hate to do. The banister Landy race exemplifies two key lessons, I think, for our spiritual lives. Stay alert and stay focused. The primary text we we looked at is is Hebrews chapter 12, and the previous chapter walks through Old Testament history, reminding us of of men and women who had exercised faith in God. Some some through faith had, had great earthly success. Others, through faith, remained true to God in the midst of terrible persecution. Hear this description that begins in verse 36. Some, some faced jeers and flogging while still others were, were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verses 36 through 40. So we get this picture of all these men and women who endured through faith or are waiting for the fulfillment of the promise. They, the gathering of all God's people from all time into one worshiping body, the ultimate community. And they, as it were, are in the stands, watching, cheering, telling us of God's faithfulness to them as we run our race. This is the the image in the next two verses and what we read earlier today. Since we have this great cloud of witnesses around us, setting aside everything that weighs us down and the sin that so easily entangles, we must run with endurance, with perseverance, the race set before us by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, focused on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, thinking nothing of its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we look at three points of this characteristic of focus as it pertains to us, a community, something part of our DNA. As a community, we have to stay alert. We have to stay alert but maintain focus, and we have to focus on Jesus. Because you see, community for community's sake is vanity. Gathering just to gather offers no real life. It's self-absorption. Community for community's sake can be dangerous. It can lead to an us versus them mentality. 
Community for community's sake leads to App State people tailgating together and North Carolina people tailgating together and not with each other. Us and them. Fine in sports. I get it. But not fine in the church. Clicks. Groups. You see, community for community's sake is not healthy. But a community that is focused on Jesus can change the world. First of all, we are to stay alert. You see, Landy needed to know where Bannister was without looking around. He needed to sense his approach. He needed to stay alert. He wasn't, and thus wasn't ready when, when Bannister made his kick. When he made his move. So we too are in this race where, where others are trying to keep us from winning. There is the principal, there's the spirit of darkness. We have an enemy. His name is Satan. And he is real. And he is trying to keep us from, from winning. Our enemies are not flesh and blood. <clears throat> the kingdom of darkness. And the desire is to do much worse than to beat us into being in second place. So the Bible tells us to be alert, and we see this instruction several places in Scripture. Mark 13 tells us to be alert as we wait for Christ's return, to be alert in discerning false Christs, and to be alert concerning false ends of history, and to be alert for persecution. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, using a running image, implying that we need to be alert to such moves. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Paul says to the church at Galatia. What's the equivalent of being alert in a race? Dealing with the unexpected, right? In a race, you, you face surprises. Someone cuts in on you. How do you, how do you react? So in the life of the church and in Christian life, what does Satan throw at us unexpectedly? What are the unusual outside pressures? What surprising temptations? These are the events and the analogies of being cut off or an opponent surprising us with some move. So in this light, consider two warnings in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, which we read earlier. First, setting aside everything that weighs us down. The lesson is to be alert to what might weigh us down. As a community, what might weigh us down on race day? What might slow us down unexpectedly? As a runner, there could be all kinds of possibilities. Wind, heat, humidity, rain, snow, a bad track, stomach cramps, whatever. You have to be alert, be ready, be confident, no matter what the conditions are. So what raises us down in the race of faith? Consider this category as those unexpected challenges that are, that are not sinful in themselves, but they keep us from doing well in the race. Challenges such as a, a surprising illness or a disability, that phone call in the middle of the night. Unexpected persecution, anything from imprisonment and torture to, to a friend or relative who ends a relationship because of our faith. Unexpected failure or, or falling into a, to sin by a person that we respect. This category could also include 
anything else, which is just is part of our, our life, but surprisingly we now see is hindering our, 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 our race of faith. It could be a passion that has its rightful place that somehow starts to take its unrightful place. A hobby, a sport, music, politics. The message is to be alert. Notice the hindrances. Be sensitive to what is keeping us from advancing in the faith. With regard to our community, what is hindering us from being together, figuratively and literally? And the hard part about it is it has to start with us. The hard part about community, if I am need of, in need of community, I have to seek community out. I have to put myself in the right place to be in community. I have to make a decision. I can't wait for everybody to come to me. That's hard, especially when I'm hurting. Seems unfair. What is surprisingly keeping me from racing well? Be alert. Hebrews 12:1 continues setting aside everything that weighs us down and the sin that so easily entangles. So the second lesson, be alert to what might trip us up. The sin that so easily entangles, the writer of Hebrews says. Fundamentally, Satan aims to make us fall into the sin of unbelief. That's his game. That's his game plan. He wants us to fall into the sin of of unbelief he tries to make us too frightened to step out in faith he tells us don't trust god don't believe his promises do it yourself and the self-made man becomes the self-made mess absent of community an island stay alert in these areas know that our opponent is active he is trying to catch us off guard. He is trying to destroy our faith, trying to destroy our community. So we have to stay alert but maintain focus and confidence, number two. While alert to all these potential dangers, we have to keep our focus elsewhere. When warned to stay alert, there's a, there's a danger that the runner will focus on potential dangers. She may think of all that can go wrong and then begin to worry and consequently lose confidence she she starts trying to avoid having things go wrong instead of trying to win the race every runner must remember the goal is not to avoid being tripped the goal is to win the hurdler who focuses on the hurdles hurdles will never win the race just so, so for us in the race of faith the goal is not to avoid sin the goal is to follow jesus We too can get so wrapped up in avoiding sin or thinking about unexpected barriers to faith that we lose focus on what is most important. And the answer, friends, is always Jesus. He is the focus, just to be clear. He is always the focus. And in some measure, that, this is, was the problem of the Pharisees, right? You remember those guys? 
They focus so completely on avoiding sin that they lose sight of the greatest commandment, loving God and delighting in him. So yes, we must be alert to surprises, to potential dangers, but of the greatest importance, we must run the race set before us with endurance, focusing on Christ. When we meet together and we focus on Jesus, I don't think anything bad's going to happen from that. That is a community focused on Jesus. So thirdly, just to be clear, we are to focus on Christ. In racing, this is what Bannister did so well in this miracle mile in this story. Landy, though, going out hard, tried to get Bannister to lose focus, but he never did. He focused on Landy's back. He imagined a string connecting them and pulled Landy in closer and closer. It's this key point in today's text. We must run with endurance the race set before us by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. It explains how we can run the race with endurance. We're we're not going to run it any other way. We've spoken of, of running the race of faith as, as a distance race, as a marathon, because of the element of time and of strategy. That's, that's usually the most important running analogy. But, but the, these, fra- these, these phrases in Hebrews 12 also relate to a sprint. As the race starts, you can see the finish line. Our task is, is to reach that finish line before our opponents, and we do that in part by looking straight ahead at the goal. We never look at our opponents. We don't get distracted. We, we focus. Just so in the race of faith. Because you see, Jesus himself is the finish line. So we have to keep our eyes fixed on him. We must never take our eyes off. We, we must be alert to what is around us, what is in us, aware of, of things, aware of our situation to be alert but to remain focused jesus three aspects of who jesus is come out in this passage first of all he is our joy just as jesus for the joy set before him endured the cross thinking of its shame so we run the race with endurance looking at the joy set before us and that joy set before us is jesus himself He is the goal. He is the destination. He is how we're going to get there. It's everything. So what was the joy set before Christ? He knew the purpose of the cross. He knew God created man for his glory, yet mankind from the beginning had rebelled against that purpose and pretended that they were not under God's authority. All mankind, therefore, was under God's just wrath. But Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for my sin, your sin, our sin, the sin of the world. He, he lived a perfect life. He therefore did not deserve death. He did not deserve God's wrath. So when he died, he took on himself the punishment for all the sins of all who would trust in him. He knew, therefore, that, that at the cross he was glorifying God through the redemption of people in every tribe, tongue, people of every nation. And with that joy in mind, he endured unimaginable punishment. It was all worth it. He knew that, so he endured it. 
So just so with us. We too have joy set before us. Jesus himself. We'll see him face to face. We will look, he will look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. We will know him as we are known. By focusing on that joy, we can endure. You see, Jesus is our joy. Secondly, he has all power to help us complete the race of faith. This race that we're running, we, we don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to muster this thing up. Verse 2 tells us that he is the founder of our faith. The, the Greek word means one who begins or originates. And so it is translated author, founder, pioneer, different versions depending on your Bible. But the word emphasizes that he, he gave you or gives us the gift of faith. So even my faith to trust him and to focus on him is not my own. It comes from him. He is the one who replaced our heart of stone with a heart of flesh so that we might love him. He is the one who opens the eyes of our hearts so that we might see him for who he is. He is the one who gives us faith as a gift. He is the, also the perfect example of, of, man, of, of a man of faith, trusting God every minute, every day. Furthermore, it says, he who began a good work in you will complete it. That's what the author of Hebrews says next, that Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. That is, the one who will bring it to perfection, the one who will complete it. If our faith, if our community is brought to perfection, it can't be improved anymore. And if he is going to do it, then the outcome is certain because Jesus can be trusted. This last phrase in verse 2, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That is, he is God the Father's right-hand man. There, there's, there's no other higher power. Nothing else can approach such power. So he will ensure that we complete the race of faith. And then lastly, we, we focus on Jesus' return. This is the part, <clears throat> what the author of Hebrews refers to as, as the end of chapter 11. Apart from us, the faithful saints of old should not be made perfect. Jesus will come to perfect his bride, the church, as he unites into one body believers from every age. Indeed, he comes to renew and to restore the entire creation. As we read in Mark chapter 13, then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send forth the angels and he will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. That's Mark chapter 13, verses 26 through 27. You see, Jesus, friends, is coming back. And when he comes, he will gather his people wherever they are. All will be summoned up in Christ. His return makes all the pain, all the sorrow, all the suffering worthwhile. He, he rights all the wrongs. He established the perfected new heavens and new earth. He will establish the perfected new heaven and new earth. So we have to focus on Jesus. We said last week we, we don't have to be on the planning committee, but we certainly want to be on the welcoming one. Not that we like committees in our church. We don't really do committees. 
So yes, be alert to to potential problems. Don't be caught off guard by Satan's attempts to to box us or to cut us off or to hinder our running. But don't focus on those problems. Instead, focus on him, our joy, our power, the one who will return. And as we look, we, we gain confidence. He is returning. He is almighty. He is our supreme joy. So to conclude, Banner Out Christian Fellowship as a community, as a community of focus. How are we running the race together? Are we alert? Do we notice people? Are we waiting to be noticed? If we're running the race, if we believe in Jesus, then some questions. What's hindering me in the race of faith? Am I alert for the unexpected? Am I digging in? Am I, am I reading God's word so that when the unexpected comes, I can respond? What's keeping me from, from being a husband who loves my wife as Christ loved the church? What's keeping me from being a parent or a child or an employee or a friend or a student who honors Jesus and all that I do? What's keeping me? What keeps me from being effective in my witness to my friends and my family? Be biblical. Let's, let's throw off sins. Let's throw off activities that hinder us and run to Jesus. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, consider those who ran with endurance the race of faith by keeping their eyes fixed on Jesus. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. part of us. It's our DNA. Let's run well. Amen.